0: Again, I want to welcome you here to City Church. I was remiss in not introducing myself earlier. My name is Pete Hartwig. I serve as the lead pastor here at City. and have been blessed to do so for the past 20 years. It's hard to imagine. One of my mentors, when I was talking with him once about ministry, um, and he'll be the one that will be speaking at the 20th celebration, Dick Foth, He said, one of his mentors told him, he said, you are going to turn around twice and you're going to be 75 years old. So if God's called you to do something, get with it. And there's something to that. It's hard to imagine that 20 years has passed already. Now, speaking of the number 20, I want to move towards the number 21. Not that I want to talk about the new, the 21st year that we're in the midst of, but I do want to talk about the 21 days of prayer. Last Sunday morning, we kicked off a 21-day season of prayer and fasting for our, our City Church family. It's something that I have initiated in my own life. I know many of us are following that as well. If you are not familiar with what we're doing as a church family, please sign up for our email list before you exit City Church this morning. That tear-off on the back side of your newsfeed that Tina Webb referenced If you just fill that off, put your contact information in there, we'll make sure that you get an email, but in that, there is information about the fast that we're on, how to fast. Last Sunday morning, I preached a message on fasting and prayer, and really called our church to participate in this. Now, what I want to talk about this morning, though, is more along the lines of prayer. Prayer. And the title of this morning's sermon is very simple. Prayer, putting feet to your faith. Prayer, putting feet to your faith. Now, I want to say at the outset that this morning's sermon is more of a series of thoughts. Now, unashamedly, those thoughts are going to be brought to us from Scripture to challenge you to be a person that when you think about prayer, you're going to put feet to your faith. And you'll understand more about that as this message moves forward. Now together we're going to be reading from Luke chapter 8. We're going to be reading verses 42 through 49. So Luke chapter 8 verses 42 through 49. It's page 840 in the Bibles we provide. The scripture will be up on the screen. We're going to read it together in just a moment. Now in line with this morning's sermon that will come from these scriptures in Luke chapter 8, I'm going to say, unashamedly, this sermon is a call to prayer. It is a challenge that you would be a person of prayer. The reason for that is, is that God answers prayer. I've experienced that in my own life and we're going to get to that more in just a moment. Now I know that many of us here are not people who've ever read the Bible. Reading even the Newer Testament is new to you, and we're going to be reading from the Gospel of Luke. And just so you know, Luke was not one of the twelve disciples. Luke was actually a medical doctor. Colossians chapter 4 tells us that, that Luke was a beloved physician. He begins his Gospel by telling us that he has taken it upon himself, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write an account of the story of Jesus. But what's amazing is, the Gospel of Luke, there are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospel of Luke has more physical healings in it than any of the other Gospels. Small wonder. Why do you think that Dr. Luke put physical healings in the Gospel he was inspired to write? He's a physician. He was fascinated by them. They grabbed his attention as a person who was seeking God. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at a story that's embedded inside of a story where God, or Christ, answers prayer, and there are healings in people's lives. Before again, though, we read in chapter 8, just know this. Chapter 8 begins with Jesus telling a parable. And the parable is about three kinds of soil on which the gospel or the seeds of the kingdom have been thrown. The first type of soil is the heart in a person that is kind of clinched out by weeds. And Jesus explains that type of soil as someone who at first receives the gospel with joy and with excitement. But the cares of the world, temptations and all those other things kind of get in the way And the idea then is that the soil doesn't really take the seed properly and there's no life. There's also the idea of another type of soil that's rocky soil. And when the seed is thrown, it gets among the rocks. It can't take root. And that soil doesn't do well either because when testing comes, this person falls away from the gospel. But the third type of soil is the kind you want to have in your heart. It's that idea of when the Gospel begins to hit us, Jesus said people with a good and noble heart, the Scriptures go deeply into their heart. It produces a crop, and that crop is a wonderful thing. Now just know this, the rest of the Gospel of Luke demonstrates what it looks like When the gospel touches you. In other words, the parable is kind of a launching pad for a new chunk in the gospel of Luke. And the next few stories that you'll see with people in the gospel demonstrate and illustrate what it looks like for a person who hears the gospel to live it out and that that gospel takes deep root in your heart. And so now we're going to pick up our reading where we're going to see two examples of people where the gospel has truly touched their hearts, but they are also people who pray, and in praying, their feet move to action in their faith. Now I want you to read with me. You can read it up on the screen. I'm going to read it out of the scripture, but I want you to read it quietly to yourself. I'll read it out loud. Here's the context. A man named Jairus, who is a leader, and he oversaw the local synagogue, comes to Jesus. He has a 12-year-old daughter, and she is dying. His daughter is in huge trouble. And the Bible tells us that he comes toward Jesus, and he throws himself at Jesus' feet. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. But he begs Jesus. He pleads with Jesus to come and heal his child. And the Bible tells us that Jesus responds. That prayer, Jairus puts feet to his faith. And he brings himself to Jesus. And Jesus now is going to take a journey to Jairus' house. And while he's on the way, there's another prayer line that begins in the middle of that one. We're going to pick this one up. Here's what the scripture tells us. We're going to begin reading in the latter half of verse 42. It says as Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Now notice that there is a footnote if you're reading in a Bible. I don't have it up on the screen. But if you will notice in a Bible that you're reading, maybe on your smartphone, there is a footnote. And if you read to the bottom of the page, it says this. Many versions have the following right here, where we just stopped. And it says this, that she spent all she had going to visit doctors to get cured. Now the NIV doesn't put that in there, but many versions of the Bible have that. Two of the other Gospels that tell the story, the exact same story, affirm and confirm that. So it could read this, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, and she spent all she had, she was flat broke, on going to doctors to be made well. And then we pick up our reading and it says, but no one could heal her she came up behind him, meaning behind Jesus, and touched the edge of his cloak and and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. That's crazy I mean just picture that there's a crowd everyone's pressing in Jesus is in the mosh pit of life and he's moving through the narrow streets of Capernaum and as he's going through the crowd is literally swarming him and he's getting jostled back and forth almost to the point of being crushed and all of a sudden power leaves him bam an amazing thought Jesus says, "...who touched Me." He says, "...because I felt power gone out of Me." Verse 47, "...then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at His feet." Here we have it again. Jairus fell at his feet, Now, this woman falls at his feet, and it says, In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. And then he said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. I mentioned at the outset of this sermon that this message is going to be a few thoughts for the simple purpose, a few biblical thoughts for the simple purpose of challenging you to put feet to your faith when you pray. Now, in looking at this story, it might not have to be said, but I'm going to say it. These people brought their needs to Jesus. They brought their needs to him. Which, in some ways, is kind of shocking. Because Jairus is the leader of the local synagogue. He is high placed in the Jewish hierarchy of things. He's a man of import, authority, and power. He was most likely exceptionally wealthy. In his local region, he was the man that was overseeing the local synagogue, the local house of worship. It meant that he was politically connected. He was economically wealthy. And he was someone of a huge importance. But the Bible tells us that he comes and throws himself at the feet of Jesus. And he cries out. He is our first example of prayer. Here's what it looks like to truly pray. But I want you to understand that here's this guy who comes before Jesus, and he throws himself on the ground, and he presents his need to Jesus. It's a live, real-time look at prayer. Now know this, that not everyone at this point is in favor of Jesus. You want to know why? He didn't go to the right college. He wasn't politically connected. And, oh good Lord, he was not politically correct at all. He was someone who'd been called of God, equipped by God, and he was baffling the establishment. And yet, when Jairus was in trouble, he came to Jesus. I want you to notice, too, that the woman also comes to Jesus and presents her need. Why is this important? Here's why. The Newer Testament teaches us that we are to pray in the name of Jesus. We are to pray in His name. There are two Scriptures that I just want to present to us at the outside of this message. It says, praying in Jesus' name. Hebrews 7.25 tells us this. Therefore, He is able to save completely forever those who come to God through Him because He always lives to intercede for them. And then John 13-14, Jesus speaking says the following, And I will do whatever you ask in My name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask Me for anything in My name and I will do it. It is not a trivial thing to understand that New Testament prayer for followers of Jesus are in the name of Jesus. Why? Because the name of Jesus defines the God that you're praying to. Many people talk about asking God for things. But the New Testament teaches us that we, through Christ, have Him who ever intercedes for us before the throne of God. He is our High Priest. You don't need anyone to go between you and God, Christ is that for you. And Scripture teaches us that it's in His name and that He intercedes for us before the throne of God. Again, when we pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. It defines the God that we're praying to and how we are praying to that God. Again, I know that sounds trivial, But I know some of us are new to faith or checking out faith, and that's a huge point for you as either you choose to follow Jesus or you already are. We pray in Jesus' name. Now notice, these two people are real-time examples of what it looks like to pray. But Luke is doing something else for us under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that I think is absolutely essential to understand. As prayer now bursts into the Gospel of Luke and two physical healings happen, there's divine reason why these two individuals are embedded eternally in the Gospel of Luke. Here's why. First of all, again, you have Jairus. He is a man. He is wealthy. He is a spiritual leader. He is someone who is on the inner circle of faith. He is a religious man. But then embedded in his journey in prayer is a woman. This woman has an issue of blood. We're going to come to what that means in just a few moments. But here is this woman. She is the complete opposite of Him. She is a spiritual outsider. The Gospel tells us she has spent all the money she has trying to get well. She is poor. We're going to learn more about her in just a few moments. But here's what I want to say. That when it comes to prayer, these two stories together, God is trying to say something to all of us loud and clear, and here it is. Whether you are a woman or a man, poor or rich, if you are somebody or a nobody, if you are a religious insider or a religious outsider, if you are a leader or a follower, if you are sick or healthy, or you're praying for yourself or someone else, God says, bring it to My Son. It's how it works. And this Gospel story is by no mistake. You have a man who is wealthy and powerful, he's on the inside, and you have a woman who is broke and she's on the outside, and God reaches out His arms through these gospel stories and says, I don't care where you are, you are welcome to come in Jesus' name and pray. You're welcome. Come on in. Bring my need, bring your needs to Jesus. Now when I look at this story, I love this story. I love it. Here in the story, Jesus asks the question, who touched me? Who is the one who touched me? And the Bible tells us that in response to that question, that the woman steps forward. And in stepping forward, it tells us that she trembles with fear she bows at His feet. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 48, here's what Jesus says to her. Daughter, your faith has healed you. That's what the NIV says. Daughter, your faith has healed you. I want you to notice, she approached Jesus from behind, and in doing so, she touches Him She is healed, but oddly enough, she is trembling with fear and she admits that it's her and she throws herself at His feet and the Gospel of Luke says she tells everyone why she was there and that she's been healed. Why is she trembling? Here's why. In the Older Testament, in Leviticus chapter 15, verses 25 through 27 there is a very strict law and the strict law is this is that if a woman has her condition and the time of it goes beyond what's normal for a woman in her childbearing years if that time goes beyond what's normal there are strict laws that she must obey and the law simply says this, you can read it for yourself, it's found there in the law of Moses. The scripture tells us this, that if there's an extension of this issue in a woman's life, it says that her bed is unclean, any chair she sits on is unclean, and anyone who touches her is unclean. And she's had this issue for 12 years. Ultimately, what Scripture is alluding to, and everyone in the Newer Testament would have understood her condition, this woman should have self-quarantined herself. She would have separated herself. And the idea is absolutely clear that she breaks all biblical protocol. She literally breaks the law of Moses to get to Jesus. And she touches... The hem of his garment, which is now unclean. But I love what Jesus says. She brings her explanation. And what does he say to her? Daughter. That's profound. She is an outcast. She's a nobody. And yet Jesus looks at her and he gives her the title of daughter. Daughter? Your faith has healed you. I love it. Now let me explain her life a little bit better. Here's this woman who has this prolonged illness. The footnote in the NIV tells us that she spent everything that she's had on trying to get better. The types of problems we need to bring to Jesus are the problems that produce other problems. She starts out with this issue. It doesn't go away. She lives with it for 12 years. And that problem has now kind of moved out of that area and it's leapt over the wall into another compartment of her life and now she's broke. She's poor. That's a problem. Not only that, is this issue continued in her life beyond the normal reality for a woman, as that time gets elongated, now all of a sudden, she also has to remove herself from culture, and also she's not allowed in the house of worship. And so all of a sudden, this one problem begins to grow, and it leaps over to the wall into another compartment of her life, and it doesn't stop there, but this issue begins to permeate her entire life. She has become her problem. It has overrun her. It has ransacked her existence. And now she is isolated. She's isolated from God. She's isolated from people. She's isolated as far as finances are concerned. And this problem has grown out of control. Look at it this way. The problem started as a physical one. It became a financial one then it became a spiritual one then a relational one and an emotional one can you imagine her condition and yet when she brings all of that to Jesus he says to her daughter your faith has healed you healed you some of you depending on what version of the Bible that you're reading that verse clearly says something different. It says, then Jesus said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Made you well. But I want to be honest with you about that Scripture. The NIV and other versions of the Bible are chickens. That word for healed is the Greek word sozo. And sozo is the Greek word for saved it's not healed it's saved that woman comes to jesus and she comes with all of the garbage of her life and she throws herself at his feet but before she does that she puts feet to her faith and she reaches out and she grabs the hem of his garment and when she does she is saved Isn't that different? Do you know everywhere else in the Newer Testament, sozo is always translated saved, not healed. There's two other instances of healings in the Gospel where that same word is not translated saved, it's translated healed. But what I want to say is she was saved. She was saved. She comes to Jesus with all of her garbage. She reaches out in faith from behind because she is unclean. And when she reaches out, one of the other Gospels say, she was saying in her mind, all I have to do is move and reach out and touch the hem of, her, of His garment. And when I do, I will be healed. And she is. But it's not just healed. She is What? Saved, And as the old country preacher said, you can call it getting well if you want to. He chose to call it saved. Now why is this important? Here's why. Because Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 say this, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one may boast. Acts 16.31 says this, And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be what? Saved. You and your entire household. Mark 16.16 says this, Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Romans 10.9-10 says this, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, that God raised Him from the dead, you will be healed? No, saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses as in healed? No, is saved. The idea here is, because she pursued Christ in faith and she put feet to her faith, she was saved. Again, you can call it getting well if you want to. I choose to call it saved. She got saved. I love that. I love it. Here's why. There are some of us sitting here that are so buried, you need someone to save you. There's a big difference. Some of you might have an ache in your big toe. Others of you are drowning. And you need someone to save you, not to heal you, but to save you. Now here's what Scripture says in Luke chapter 8, verse 44. It says, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak and immediately her bleeding stopped. When you look at that, it seems kind of interesting, doesn't it? Here this woman is. She was no doubt physically depleted. And most of us picture it as though she reaches down somehow and as he's in the crowd, she reaches down and grabs the bottom of some long garment that he has. And in that moment, there she is kind of down in the dust grabbing his garment. But what's interesting is is that most biblical scholars believe that what she touched was Jesus' prayer shawl. Here's a picture of it up on the screen. If you've ever seen pictures of the western wall, the idea of praying at the base of the wall in in Israel, you'll notice that you'll see people with these head covering on. They have a prayer shawl over their head and their shoulders, and there's long tassels. You know what? Most New Testament scholars believe that Jesus was wearing That. He had his prayer shawl on. And doesn't it make more sense that she thinks to herself not to reach out and touch the hem of some linen garment, but in the midst of her need, if she could reach out and touch the hem of his prayer shawl, then his prayers will suddenly ignite hers and she'll be made whole. Do you understand that? So here Jesus is with that prayer shawl and she reaches out. That idea of tassel or hem of the garment is something that she reaches out to touch. And she discovers that Christ touches her and heals her and sets her free. And Luke 8.44 says her bleeding stopped immediately. Now. When we think about prayer, I know my heart is deeply burdened. I want to tell you why. There are a lot of us here who you know, you have an area in your life that used to be contained to one area you thought that it was, and it's now overcome the wall of another area of your life. What just started out is a physical issue similar to hers. Maybe yours is more of an emotional issue. Something's going on in your life and you always felt like it was contained and compartmentalized and now that thing has leapt over the wall and it's moving through other facets of your life. And what you're recognizing is what you thought you had control of now has control of you. It's gotten the best of you. But here's what deeply concerns me as the pastor here at City Church and it's this. Many times... We learn to live with things that are far below God's best. We just learn to live with it. And some of us have wrestled and we've struggled and we've had issues in our lives for a long time. And even though at the end of services we have times for prayer, it never really enters your heart to come forward because you think this is the new normal. You've sort of backed off on what life could be or what life should be. I know in my own life, when I had to deal with something a few years back in my own life, I used to look at this flaw in my life and I figured I'm just going to always live with this. Not only that, hey, I inherited it honestly from the home in which I was raised, and so now that's part of my life too, and that's just how life is. That's what normal looks like. But when I looked at that area of my life, it was beginning to overrun. It was affecting relationships. It was affecting my life. It was affecting me physically. And it was time for me to get a hold of it and bring it to Jesus. The issue is, though, is that many of us sitting here will say, no, that's just normal life. And what I want to tell you is it might be normal for people outside of faith, but it should not be normal for people inside of faith. I believe that with all of my heart. And so what I want to say is, look, if your heart is broken and you're hurting, I deeply, deeply want to encourage you, put feet to your faith in just a few moments. Now here's what I will also say. Sometimes, and I just want to be as honest and transparent as I can, some things in life we just have to learn how to get up and get it done and get it right. You just have to make a decision. Pray for God to give you the strength. But sometimes we'll come forward in prayer and look, we'll bring it to God and it's almost like God is just saying, you already know what to do, just do it. Can I be honest with you? 2018 is a year of health for me physically, as well as my family in City Church. Now, health in a church looks like a whole lot of things. But me physically, about six months ago, I looked at myself, I didn't feel well. I wasn't thinking clearly. I would sit through meetings, I couldn't multitask. And so I just did a little research. And what I found out was, the way I was eating was not healthy. Do I have an amen in the house of the Lord somewhere? (laughs) You know, I often talk about meeting people at Zinburger. Well, let me just be blunt. If you eat five cheeseburgers a week from Zinburger, that ain't healthy. Oh, that amen was way too loud. (laughs) So listen, I'm praying about my health, and I know full well I'm eating horribly. Let me tell you, it's kind of simple. Other times in life, being honest with you, we have aches and pains and we at times just simply, man, we push through it. You just realize that you're injured and man, you're going to push through it, but you're going to do what you got to do in order to get healthy. I had kind of a front row seat to this for the past couple of days. I went with the UVA wrestling team. I'm now sort of the de facto chaplain. It's not as ostentatious as it sounds. But I traveled with the team to Hampton for the the Virginia duels. It was an incredible wrestling tournament. And I stood behind the bench and I watched several wrestlers get up and wrestle in severe pain. Man, they were hurting. Taped up, backs out, knees out, arms out. Good reason not to wrestle, right? But I watched it and there's times in life, look, you just have to get up and push through the pain and do what you got to do. So look, I'm not talking about those types of things, although you pray for those. You know what I mean. There are certain times where you tough it out and you push through. What I'm talking about are those things in life that you're just trying to ignore. Man, you know they're there. They can literally call your name. And those things of life that overcome you and they've grabbed you. And you wish you could be free and you've just reset the dial to a new normal and say that's the way life is. That's one of the reasons why we're offering soul care again. Because some of us here at City Church have things in our souls that haunt you. They override you. They overrun you. And in many ways, if you had to admit it publicly, you're almost more known by that in your own mind than you are as a child of God. You're more like this woman who had this physical issue. That's what she's known by, but not after she meets Jesus. She goes from having a condition to being a daughter. What a huge transition. But there are some of us in our souls... Where we know we've got stuff. And we believe now that it's time to be free. That's again why we're offering soul care. Not this week, but next week for eight to nine weeks. So that you can get freed up from the stuff of your life. But you know in closing. The verse Luke 8.46 where Jesus said someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me is a verse that grabbed me for our church it literally grabbed me because would you remember with me the scene at the beginning of this gospel jesus is moving through those tight streets of capernaum he's going to Jairus's house to pray for his daughter that she would be raised from the dead and she was and the crowd is just pressing it says the crowd almost crushes him they're just pressing in on Jesus do you know how I picture this I picture the crowd pressing in and there's that 20 something with his iPhone going Jesus selfie Look, Jesus, there we go. That's good, that's good. Then he looks down and it's blurry. So he yells out to his girlfriend, get ahead of him. Get another selfie with him. He might be the Son of God. Get a selfie with Jesus. Others are going, man, I just want to give Jesus a high five. Jesus, high five. There we go. And Scripture says that people are pressing in, and they're almost crushing Him. But I want you to get this. Only one prayed. One. And when she reached out and touched that prayer garment and she grabs the fringe of it and she puts feet to her faith, when she reaches out and grabs it, Jesus turns to the disciples and says, Wait a minute, who touched me? Who's the one who touched me? I felt power exit me. And the disciple looks at Jesus, look, everyone touched you. What are you talking about? This is crazy. What do you mean who touched me? You've been like a pinball all the way down Main Street of Capernaum. He said, oh, no, 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 no. Someone touched me. And power exited me. And they go through a little check. And she, recognizing that she's the one, steps forward, and here's what's shocking. She told the entire story to everyone. She said, I've had this issue for 12 years. I am flat broke. I've been ostracized from God and people. I've been sidelined, rejected. I'm a nobody. And Jesus looks down at her and says, Sister, you are now a daughter, and your faith has saved you. My question is are you willing to be the type of person where in prayer you're going to put feet to your faith? You see, this woman had to press through the crowd. I believe Jarius had to press through his pride because he is a religious leader he's a man of stature and notoriety and yet he pressed through all of that in order to come and humble himself at the feet of jesus and when he did his daughter was healed she pushed through legalism she pushed through laws she pushed through regulations She pushed through all of that stuff and she reached out and she touched the prayer garment that Jesus had flowing behind him. This week, as I've looked at the scriptures, I have found that every single prayer time and every time Jesus encounters someone and they make a request of him and he moves on their behalf, there is physical action every single time, whether it's get up and walk, or it's a woman who determines in her heart, all I need to do is touch the fringe of his garment and I will be made whole." Would you stand with me as we close out our time? And as we stand together, I'm going to ask that the prayer team would come forward. I told you at the beginning that this would be a challenge. It would be a call to be people who respond to prayer. I know that some of us are standing here right now. And you're thinking, my oh my, I need to pray. I need to put foot, put feet to my faith. I need to step out and pray. I need to make movement towards Jesus. But your question is, what will people think of me? Let me tell you what, people won't think any less of you than they already do. But I have found in my life that whenever I put feet to my faith and I humble myself and I move towards Jesus in prayer, He has met me every single time. Every time. And so as the worship team begins to lead us in this incredible worship chorus that challenges us and says, come to the altar. If you're here, And you know you need prayer. I don't care if you're a man, woman, rich or poor, religious insider, religious outsider, if you're coming to pray for yourself or for someone else. Don't care. But I believe it's high time for some of us to reset the dial in our life as to what's normal and make it dictated by the Kingdom of God and not my own doubts and fears. I believe it's time. And so as the worship team begins to lead us, I'm going to encourage you as you feel prompted by the Spirit to come forward and to be prayed with and to be prayed for. And as you're coming forward, maybe you really don't want anyone to pray for you. You would just like to come forward and stand in the presence of God and say, Jesus, here I am. Here I am. Save me. Save me. Let's worship together. And if God is prompting you and drawing you, I'm going to encourage you to come forward to pray. Let's pray.
1: Are you hearding broken within? Overwhelmed by the way of the sin. Jesus is calling. Have you come to me? i
0: in with the Lord Jesus I pray in this moment that you would touch every single one of us that our prayer would put feet to our faith and that we would be a group of people who bring ourselves to Jesus That we would pray in Jesus' name, that we would be unstuck, we would be unfrozen in our relationship to you and our relationships with people. Lord, help us to be a people that move in our faith, that take steps towards you in our prayer lives. That we would be strong in that sense where we come to You with who we are and what we are. And even though it may fill us with shame as we take those first couple of steps, that You would say over each and every one of us as we move towards You, that who touched me? Power has left me. And now, You are a son. You're a daughter. Your faith has saved you. It has saved you. Would you join with me and pray for those people that felt the need to come forward? Would you pray with me that God would touch them and bring healing and wholeness into their hearts and into their lives? Would you join with me, City Church, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray over those that felt the need to come forward. Lord, we ask that you would meet their every single need. Lord, that You would lift their burdens, that You would lift them up in the strength of Your hand. Where they are weak, make them strong. Where they are broken, bring healing and wholeness. Where their hearts are dysfunctional and sideways and filled with angst and shame. We pray that You would save them in this moment. And that You would bring a new normal into their lives. One that's filled with the joy of the Lord and the excitement of life. God, bless in that. Bring intervention, Lord. Your Scripture tells us that we pray in the name of Jesus and that, Jesus, You ever make intercession for us before the throne of God and You are able to save us, therefore, forever and ever. So, Lord, touch the hearts of Your people. Minister deeply to them in the midst of the burdens of life. God, give each one of us strength to step out in our prayer and put feet to our prayer, that we would walk towards You and find the freedom that is found in You. Lord, I believe for this, and I pray for it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I believe that there are others of us that feel the need to come forward. We're gonna conclude our service by just having an open time of worship. We're gonna begin with the song that we've been singing already. If you have a need, come forward. If you have someone that's next to you and you know that they have a need, offer to come down with them that God would touch them and set them free. And that 2018 would be categorically different than the year prior. Let's go ahead and worship. And again, feel free to be dismissed when it's time for you and your heart is full. Otherwise, we invite you to stay and to worship and to come forward for prayer. God bless you. Oh, come
1: to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with.